Dominic Ninton, and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Hey everyone, Nick Nanton here, and welcome to Now to Next, uh, my podcast series. And I'm doing this special series in quarantine right now, uh, calling it the different titles in uncertain times. And today I've got one of my very good friends who's coming on to talk with us about leadership in uncertain times and leading in uncertain times. And I could think of no better person than the person who taught me the best definition of leadership I've ever heard in my life than my good friend, uh, Mr. Kenny Thomas. Kenny, you're live. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thank you. I, I will accept that gift. That's a good, that's a nice compliment. Yeah. I, well, hey, it's, it's well meant. Because, um, you know, leadership is a really, we can, we'll talk about it some more as we get deeper, but leadership is a really like, really doughy concept because everyone wants to talk about leadership, but I, I, I know it when I see it, but I'm not exactly sure how to identify it. And so uh, we'll get into that a little bit. So uh, I learned that from you during the, the filming of a few things we worked on. Let's talk about, first of all, there's a book that you wrote that I'm sure you would hate for anyone to buy. Um, so definitely do not go buy Kenny's book. No, go buy his book. It's called Get It On. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, if I had been spurred away, I would have had it on the shelf up here. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's on Amazon. You can get it where any good books are gotten. And uh, it's called Get It On. And it really talks about, and I want to lead into this with the story of how you ended up in the Battle of Mogadishu, which became the movie Black Hawk Down. I mean, give us the, give us the five minute version of that story. And, and from starting with those words, man, get it on. Yeah, get it on. That was the, so we had been sent in, Task Force Ranger was a collection of special operations units. It was Delta guys from Bragg, the 160 Special Operations Air Regiment from Fort Campbell and in a company size element of Army Rangers, it's about 130 Army Rangers. So all in all, the package that went to Mogadishu was going after this guy, Adid. Adid was a, he was a warlord who had been attacking the United Nations food shipments. And then when American troops started guarding the food shipments, he started attacking those, our people. And when some of our people got killed, that's when we were sent in as a posse to try and get this guy. And we had been in country for, you know, but about two and a half, three months before uh, running nonstop, like 44 raids we had done into the city going after this guy, but he went into hiding. And then finally on the 3rd of October, we had some intel that there were two of his top people were in a building in the middle of the city. And it was a daylight raid. And I always tell people when I'm telling that part of the story, it's like, which is not preferred. And people kind of stare at you. I'm like, <laughs> well, think about that. Like, why do you not want to go in the daytime? It's because they can see you and you know they're going to be shooting at you. And if they're going to be shooting at you, you prefer they don't see you. So we would try and go in at night, but they had this uh, meeting in the middle of the day on a Sunday afternoon. And, and the, the original mission went well. It was a raid. We hit the building. We got about two dozen people out of the building. There were trucks down the street waiting. They uh, drive up, pick up all the bad guys and bad guys. Nick, they weren't gone. The trucks hadn't driven away more than two minutes. And then the first helicopter got shot down. So we had, we came in on the helicopters, we roped in, took down the building, grabbed the bad guys out, the trucks drive up, put the bad guys on the trucks, trucks drive away. And then all of a sudden, one of the helicopters that was flying overhead, it was the call sign was Super 6-1. I was Cle uh, Cliff Walcott was the pilot. They got shot down. And the whole mission changed. So now you've got to go help. That's really as simple as it was. Like, yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't take more than like five minutes for us to adjust and pivot. And the whole thing shifted. We're OK. Well, the bird went down about five blocks away. So 
so the guys that were on the target building moved on foot and then the vehicles that had just driven away with the prisoners turned around and came back. And then the bulk of that battle that everybody knows is Black Hawk Down was congested into this little two and a half block radius in the city because we went to the crash site and kind of put a perimeter around it. And I think the thing that, you know, we fought through the night and, and then the morning came and we had so many wounded guys. There were so about 135 total in the battle, Nick, with the helicopters, the vehicles, and then the assault force on the ground. Out of those 135 guys, 78 guys were already wounded and 19 are dead. So it just wasn't much of a fighting force left. And we just, we needed help. And the guys on the vehicles never really could get to us throughout the night. And they went back and got help. And there was some guys from the 10th Mountain Division were in town, the only other Americans in town. And those guys came out for us. And they don't get mentioned much in, in the story, but but they were critical. The 10th Mountain guys came through the night and with all of our friends who were beat up and blown up. And then we loaded all the wounded guys and got them out in the morning. And then there was about 30 of us left and we had to run. And, and the point that, that I think, you know, years later, when I'm still talking about it, the point that you make is you don't have to be happy with the soup sandwich that you get handed. Right. So none of us are happy with what just got dropped in our lap. And but the time for bitching and moaning and complaining and laying down on the ground and crying and stomping our feet is not now. It's later. We can do that later. But right now we got to get each other out of there. And we didn't we didn't have we didn't have backup. We didn't have aircraft. We didn't have vehicles. We didn't have tanks. We didn't have the billions and billions and billions of dollars of American military might. It was just 30 guys on foot running for it. And who do you think's taking care of each other in those moments? And that's that's what I've carried in, in my life. It's not freaking the general's not coming. The colonels aren't coming. The president's not coming to save you. The governor's not coming. They got their own battles. They're fighting up there in their headquarter elements. The people that are going to save each other are the Nicks and the Kennys and the Saranskis and the Floyds. That, that's that it's so basic. And that's the lesson I think two decades later, I'm still trying to get people to understand. In those moments, right? I mean, so most of us are whining and crying and complaining about being at home uh, and not being able to go anywhere and all these things that are, that's really sort of interfered with our lifestyle. But I think that sets a really good tone for, uh, you know, for things that maybe are not worth worrying about in the short term, as opposed to not everyone is going to be obviously in a firefight for their life, thankfully. But, you know, there are there are things that are much more stressful than these times, although we can't write these times off as not stressing. And I mean, there's way more domestic violence than there usually is right now, which is really sad. There's a lot of depression, a lot of addiction. Suicides are up. Uh, it's it's overall a tough time, but I love your point. Um, well, there's a lot of points in there, but talking about the guys around you or the guys who are going to save you, I, I, I take away several things from that right now in this environment. Number one, uh, I think a lot of people are learning a lot about their family right now, right? Who their family really is and who are the kids you have raised? Uh, you were sending them to school before and you might have had the teacher telling you they were a jerk and you didn't believe them. Well, now you know, right? And so, you know, you're really, you're really. I start to know it's not the teacher's fault. <laughs> exactly. And so as we look at these things, it's, it's interesting to see, um, you know, the dynamics you've created for yourself because you can't, can't hide from them now. And, and also, are you taking the time to dig in and, and, 
and get to know and dig in deeper with those who are around you because they are the ones who are going to save you. God forbid anything medical happens, but just also, I mean, what an amazing gift of a time to hunker down with family. Like I've talked about before, I don't, I, I have a seven nights a month travel rule. You're very familiar with this because I had to bail out of, of one of our very special trips we did, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, towards the end. But, you know, that's my commitment to my family. And I travel one to two nights a week. If I miss dinner, that's a half night. We got a whole system for this, right? And it's to keep me from making bad decisions, which is good. It's like safety guardrails. And, you know, so I travel one to two nights a week. So it's really not, I don't go Monday to Friday every week. I don't do that. And I, I only travel seven nights a month, but I'm gone a lot. I mean, that, that still ends up being disruptive. And uh, I'm, my son, my oldest son is 15 and I've been home. This is the most I've been home consecutively since he was born, which is sort of a eye-opening thing because I just haven't been home for seven, eight weeks forever. I mean, I started traveling just you know, building the business and everything, the, like the two weeks after he was born, probably two or three weeks. And so it's been a really unique time and a cool time uh, to to sort of get to know those around you even better. Because we, I mean, they're my kids and my family. We do stuff all the time together. But man, we're we're typically running to 87 different dance, soccer, cross-country practices, going 40 different directions. It's been an amazing blessing to have dinner every day at least. And I'm usually lurking around lunchtime anyway. Uh, so, so it's been amazing, but knowing, really getting to know those around you and doing the work you need to do to develop those who are around you into the people, you know, they can be, but it takes, that takes time, man. It takes nothing but time. It's a good point. I think you're spot on. I don't think there's anybody that that's trying to make the best of the situation. Won't tell you one of the big blessings that you're, you're getting to be present and you're resetting and you're resetting on a person. You talked about earlier that the that perspective. Thankfully, not everybody has the perspective of people shooting at you and people dying, but right. nobody's shooting at us. And so we're at home and a lot. And for the the worst part of it is our, our lifestyles, our lifestyles have been put on pause for a minute. Right. And there's there's people who are dying and there are families that are losing people. So let's keep perspective and let's use the time to connect. I think over over the years, Nick, as I've been telling this story, it evolves. And one of the things that that I've where I'm at in my life, my walk, and my faith, and we've talked about you and I've talked about this before. But the last few years, where I'm at, one of the things I share from the stage is I know why we have such an epidemic diagnosis of PTSD in our VA system. It's not it's not what people saw on the battlefield. It's not the horrible events that these and traumatized that our men and women who were wearing the boots saw. 80% of the people diagnosed with PTSD never saw combat. So why do you think it is that they have such an issue when they come home? And I, and I get, I already knew. It was, it was what you just said, it's the connection. We were so tight and you were so part of something. And it's basically, I don't have to always get along with you. I don't have to love you like every day and go want to hang out with you. But I got to be able to trust you. And I got that person on my left and that person on my right counted on me. And I wasn't going to let them down. And then all of a sudden, as a veteran, you're no longer in that circle. You don't have it. You get out in the real world and you feel like you're kind of lost and out on your own. That's where that trauma came from. Because at a human core, we want connection. We want it badly. Even in our isolation now as a nation, we're all still trying to connect. That's what you and I are doing right now. That's what we're trying to do for the people out there. Because here's what happens. 
when people start feeling isolated and they start feeling alone, they start getting unmotivated. And when they get unmotivated, they feel purposeless. And when people are purposeless, they're lost. I, I know it. I, you don't have to be a veteran to know that and learn it. And there's, you're seeing it out there right now. So I think our job, what, and I know what you're trying to do with your, with your leading in uncertain times and, and your, all the things that you're doing and the, the, the group of people I'm surrounding myself, I think what we're trying to do right now is how do you keep people focused and motivated on the positives? How do we keep them, how do we lead them purposefully how do we get the motivation and direction so that we can come out on the end and be a stronger family unit, a stronger community, and a stronger nation? That, that's what I would like to see. I would like to see minds like you, minds like me, my, our, the guys that you and I went through downrange with, that leadership right. course, astronauts and Olympians and CEOs who care, servant leaders. Let's whiteboard a better America because we have a very rare opportunity to do it right now because when they give us the all clear, everybody's going to go back to being busy. Right. Right now we got some time to talk about it think about it and, and, and make a plan. I, I snaked on you there, but that was a, sorry. You're, <laughs> doing great. Thank You're you. good. No, man, all good. good. So this conversation came about because an email you sent out on the weekend, which we talked about to the people went through downrange with, I'm going to go back for a little bit because sort of funny as I look through um, when we met. Uh, so we met through a mutual friend, Brent Mayer, who is, Gifted, gifted producer, musician, writer. I mean, the Judds and lots of hits and just amazing dude. And so, so Kenny is a country music singer. You should check out his stuff too. He's great. Uh, we've written a couple times together and you've spoken at my events in Hollywood. And then uh, we, we did a thing a few years ago where I said, Hey man, will you come speak at my event in Hollywood uh, for like the second time? And you're like, yeah. And here's how I remember the conversation. And I was like, great, um, I'll pay your speaking fee or whatever. You're like, no, 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 I don't need a speaking fee. I need you to do me a favor. I said, well, what's that favor, Kenny? <laughs> and he said, I'm starting this new leadership academy called Downrange. Uh, and I want you to come and I want you to film it. And that'll be in exchange for, uh, that'll be exchange for the speaking fee. And I was like, well, Kenny, that's probably going to cost me more than your speaking fee would, but I'm intrigued. And, uh, and, and you've helped me a ton, so I want to do it. So you put together this group of, of me plus it's like everyone else is like in the Avengers, man. All these people are like, I mean, I had, uh, I have Jim Weatherby on not long ago. Actually, no, two astronauts. I shocked myself. I had two astronauts on. I did a ask it, ask an astronaut for kids because they're driving their parents crazy for homeschool. So I had Jim Weatherby on. That's where I met, you know, Jim Weatherby, you know, six time space shuttle astronaut. We had gold medalists. We had, I mean, it was insane. And so we meet at the airport. Uh, and what's your airport? We flew into Denver, didn't we? He flew into Denver. Yeah. Oh, and a war correspondent. We had, we had everybody there. And so then we're driving in this, I felt like three hours. I remember a couple of things about the drive that were unique. Number one, I, it was windy roads in a 15 passenger van. And if anyone else would have been driving, I'd been very nervous. Uh, I knew you knew what you were doing. You also fly planes. I wouldn't fly with many people. I would fly with you. Uh, but I kept asking you, are you sure? that you can feel the wheels of this van on the road <laughs> because when we would take turns, it just felt like I, I'm not, I'm from Florida. We don't have a lot of roads like this, but I remember being a little nervous that it wasn't sticking quite so well. And, and you assured me it was. And I also remember stopping and I believe it was century. Is it, was that the name of the little town we stopped in? It, it, yeah. It's like a gas station and a, and a, and a, and a general store at the base of the mountains. Yeah. You, you can get you. I remember you could buy a fishing license there. You could get gas. 
you could get snacks. There's a restaurant and I get, and there's like eight people in there. That's the whole population of the town, I think. And I also do remember very distinctly, you can get tequila shots because yeah. on the TV was the University of Florida that were both Gators, go Gators, winning the baseball World Series. We saw yeah. it right there at the gas station slash uh, restaurant slash bar slash fish license place. And I bought myself and my camera guys, Sean and Carlo, shout out to those guys. You almost killed them. They did good. Uh, we we took three of the biggest tequila shots I've ever taken in my life. And uh, I remember the rest of the drive, I was a little less nervous. But, so, yeah. but we we get there and we, we sort of, we, we settle in for the evening. And then you you and Horace and your, your guys start doing what you do. Um, let's talk a little bit about Downrange and what that leadership experience is. Um, we filmed it. I went through it, basically training, uh, training leadership. And, and what I would say is, putting us in such unfamiliar positions that our natural leadership qualities just came out. Cause I'd never, I'd shot, uh, I'd shot an AR 15 style gun once before, maybe three rounds. I think I ran four to 500 rounds in two days through that yeah. thing. When you taught us how to shoot, move and communicate. So talk a little bit about downrange and what that's intended to do and that experience and maybe how we flubbed it up. Yeah, right on. Well, first of all, thanks. Thanks for, for mentioning it. We've done quite a few classes since, and um, every one of them is, I just, I love being out there. I love the input of the people who come through it, because the people who are coming through it, they want to be better. They're already accomplished folks, but they want to be better, and they buy into the servant leadership model. And so what we do is we put them, we run it exactly like you would run a mission in ranger school. So we, you, you train people up. So we do the basics in the morning. And that was the point of the shooting. This isn't the, the point of the shooting isn't because it's, it's a shooting course. There's, there's enough of those out there. It's to make you safe with a weapon so that you can walk with each other and not shoot each other and be safe. And then we learn the basics of moving. And then we learn the basics of communication. And the whole thing comes together on. A, you didn't get to stick around for the planning scenario. But the last day, the whole thing comes together and they hit a, they hit a target. There's bad guys on the objective. We switch over to blanks. Um, the sense of urgency is still there. And what you see on that last night is people begin to bond because you pushed them for three and a half days and they're physically kind of smoked. And it doesn't take a lot to smoke civilians. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can walk them 2,000 meters and they're like, oh, man, I was walking 20 miles. Yeah. So um, yeah. you push them and then you Put them into situations where they cannot succeed without each other. Because most of us type A personalities are so used to being able to figure it out and get it done. Um, but there's no way. You can't take the hill alone is, is what I always tell folks. And, and what we started seeing with the course is originally, Nick, you know, you and I talked about, man, what, how, do we, how do we sell this thing? And I was thinking it would be like an experience for rich people. Like, you know, the, the, the CEOs that never get to, to do, they've done everything and this is something they would never have a chance. But what we started finding was people started coming and like, man, I got to get my, I got to get my team here. And now you got companies bringing their management teams and they're starting to realize the quickest way to build that trust amongst people is to put them through hardship. And uh, we keep them safe and it's fun, but it is hard. We're going to move it out of Wyoming. Um, I wish there were more places like Wyoming that weren't so hard to get to where we didn't have 15 pack van on dirt roads, but yeah. we're going to move yeah. over to Oklahoma this year. 
and um, it's it's easier to get to. You're not going to have a fishing license uh, bar that shoots tequila in in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's unfortunate, really. But, really, but it was it was a great place, and I left the morning of sort of the final raid and yeah. left my guys there because I had my my family stuff to deal with, which is great. Yeah. So that's, you, you know how principled I am when it comes to that. Cause I, I basically missed the fun part. I did all the training and then just and missed the fun. And uh, you know, one of the coolest things about that was number one, I still feel very close to all those people we went through that with. And we, you email us all and everyone's kicking emails back and forth. And uh, I, I still do remember too, when, uh, when Jim Weatherby, uh, the astronaut assigned us all call signs, mine was Esperanza which means hope in Spanish. And I think it's because there's one of the latest movies I've done, but it was pretty funny. He sort of pegged everybody and gave everyone, you know, he's a very, uh, very detail oriented guy for good reason. And he yeah, sent absolutely. all the stuff out at a time and he pegged everybody. It was, it was pretty funny. Now, one of the coolest things about that experience too, was I learned so much about sort of military tactical stuff I didn't know about. Within about six months of that, I was asked to come uh, to Fort Benning and to train with the Rangers and do the Ranger course, actually. And there's like 50 of us and me and two other people finished it. But like, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to quit with guys with fatigues about to get deployed on both sides of me. But that was, as you would know, that was intense. You could take a civilian out of that one pretty quick. Yeah. You went down to Benning and ran, you ran the obstacle course down there at yeah. Darby. Yeah. Yep. That's a smoker. Yeah. That one yeah. Yeah. And so we did that. And so, uh, then, but then I, and I learned some more military things being at Benning and, and, and training some uh, some rangers who were about to actually gra- or actually about to retire, and they brought a bunch of us entrepreneurs in to talk about different ways to make a living, essentially. And so then I ended up um, in Haiti actually after that in a real raid with Navy SEALs and Haitian Special Forces in a movie we made called Operation Toussaint about uh, child sex trafficking. But uh, it was I was so thankful. Like I mean, you know, God was preparing me along the way. Like, hey, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know, and stay out the way. And so I did all those things. And uh, it was just funny how that all that timeline came together in a way I never would have uh, predicted and so appreciated just knowing a little bit of, of what I garnered from those few days with you and then at Fort Benning. So uh, life takes you on some crazy turns. It's a cool life, Nick. You've been doing some cool things. I hope that's never lost on you. You've, got, you've gotten to do some cool stuff. Man. Well, I've got cool friends who take me cool places because I have cameras. It's just the way it works. Um, and, oh, so, yeah. and so we did uh, We did that movie. We did another movie in, in Colombia. It's coming out soon called Triple Take, uh, where we documented the largest child sex slavery rescue in history. Um, I didn't do the raids because I promised my wife no more raids, but Colombia was... Uh, sketchy enough. Uh, I don't, it's not on the top of my vacation list. I would not recommend it. Uh, we were in Medellin and Cartagena and there's, there's a lot of tourism, but uh, it's, it's not on my list. And then I did my final, I promised my wife, my final uh, crazy place. Uh, I just did Iraq uh, for a film uh, we're doing on, on rescuing uh, human trafficking victims from ISIS with the same guy took me to all three places, Tim Ballard from Operation Underground Railroad, amazing, amazing guy. And, uh, it was, man, that my eyes have been opened to some amazing thing. And the thing that I saw the most, by the way, sort of bringing it back is the resiliency and the beauty of humanity, man. I mean, I, I must have interviewed 20 people in that just in Iraq. Actually, I left Iraq the day the first three coronavirus cases broke out. I'm really glad I left the day I did. Talking to people, I interviewed a bunch of people who had been kidnapped by ISIS and been held for years. We were interviewing a little girl who was placed in Al Hole, like the the famous like prison camp in Syria for ISIS warriors because she had been kidnapped and was living with ISIS warriors. So they just put her in the prison camp with them and they were trading her around like property inside the prison camp. And this amazing guy named Jawad, who is the size of a, 
I mean, three refrigerators, you know, uh, and, and built like, you know, a, a brick house, uh, got her out and did some bartering and, and ran her on a boat, you know, in the middle of the night across the border. I mean, he's a crazy cool guy. And, um, Man, it's just but but interviewing these people who have been in the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst scenarios you can imagine, right? And their resiliency yeah. as human beings and just what what beautiful people they were. I think it's such a uh, it's such an unfortunate thing. I think I'd only really ever heard people speaking Arabic as terrorists on TV. Like I'm being honest. Like and there's screaming, like they were yelling, like get down here, get the gun, I'm going to shoot you, whatever. And I was just shocked. It's it's probably ignorant and naive, but I'm I'm okay to admit it. Like I just had never heard that before. And it was such a beautiful language. Like when and these people, all they want to do is feed you and bring you into their home. And their home, a lot of the homes were like you know, they were being provided by this nonprofit while they're trying to relocate a lot of these people. There's a particular religious minority that they're trying to relocate. Australia is taking a bunch of them in and uh, a bunch of families being reunited and things there after years. There's one story we covered of a girl who her family, they thought she was dead for like three or four years. And then they relocated the mom and the sister to Australia. And then they found out she was alive. And we filmed picking her up in Iraq and taking her back to reunite with her mother and her sister. It's just like, but it's just the stories of humanity, but how resilient the human spirit is. Uh, it is amazing. And and I'm, I'm so thankful with all of the films I've been able to do to just to see that and just see, you know, look, there are some, there's some idiots out there, but you know, we can be honest about that, but, and I, I'm, I'm, I've been really uh, inspired by how many people I've seen stepping up doing cool stuff during this, uh, you know, John, was it John Krasinski? I think it is uh, from like the office is doing his uh, some good news show. And he's, he surprised a little girl who couldn't go to Hamilton with all the Castle Hamilton coming on to the Zoom call singing to her. And it just like she melted and just, you know, he, he doesn't have to do that. But, you know, in, in these strange times, a star is born. I mean, he was a star anyway, but he's really he's getting like millions and millions of views. He's doing the show, I think, once a week. But just people have really become uh, a lot of people that we're seeing, at least, are becoming very uh, they're pivoting a lot of getting sick of that word, by the way. Uh, but they're doing different things, trying to help out. And I think, you know, all we can do right now, cause we don't know what the world looks like after this. Um, we have to respect the fact that there are people who are still sick and getting sick and we don't want people to get sick, but you know, I've been just sort of living by, uh, Dr. Nito Cobain's formula. I don't know if you know, Dr. Cobain, but amazing, amazing speaker. Uh, and he spends a third of his time earning a third of his time, learning a third of his time serving. And I try to do the same thing. And, uh, it's been really interesting to, to spend some of this time going, what does earning look like now and beyond this? Because it's different, of course, for everybody. You know, what does learning look like? What can I do every day just to do a little bit of something, just to learn something new, learn about something, learn about a culture, learn a language, read a book, whatever. And and who can I serve? And I, I've said it a few times, even on the show, it doesn't have to be like going to a homeless shelter or trying to get into a hospital or it, it, in many cases, it is the people around you. It could be Zooming, Zooming with a family member who's lonely or checking in on your parents or checking, you know, it, it could be simple, but just, just that little formula, that simple formula. Of, and again, while things are a little bit different, you don't have to spend a third of your time doing all that stuff. Just, just try to spend a little bit of time each day thinking about it. Um, and so that's sort of what I've, what I've been trying to do. You sent out an email to everybody saying to the, to the downrange group I was in uh, group one, which is awesome. Uh, and so you said, you asked everybody, Hey, I've seen sort of all these emails from these CEOs and these, but uh, I'll paraphrase here and, and read into it. What I was what I was projecting onto it. And you can tell me if I was wrong, but a lot of it is just sort of uh drivel to me that not that they don't mean well, but it's like, if I see the same message, I basically see the same message written a hundred different ways from a hundred different CEOs. And what is it? Is that doing any good? And more importantly, what could we, and should we be doing 
right now in order to respond to what the world needs and to keep the world motivated, to keep the world caring and not losing all hope because that, like you said, is a bad place to be. And so this is what I've been doing. So that's why I brought you on the show. You sent the email Saturday or Sunday and here we are on Wednesday. So thanks for making the time. And uh, you got some other great responses from some other people too, if you want to share any of those. And and uh, I think it's a, a valid discussion for people to have. The question was basically, I asked the guys and the girls that had gone through the course, like because I respect all of who they are as leaders. What are you seeing out there that's working? And what are you seeing out there that at your own companies or what are y'all doing at home that seems to be impacting We've got to sit down and discuss it. How do we whiteboard a better America? What what America do you want to represent? And when this is done, and and what you know, like you said, it's it's uncertain what it will be like. But what world do you want to live in after this crisis is gone? We have the ability to make that happen, but it ain't gonna happen if people just hold up, you know, and and wait for the storm to pass and then come back out and go right back to what they were doing. We got to figure out where. Where we can improve, it's an after actions review. It's basically what I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking a look at what we've been doing as a, as a, as a culture, as a nation. Okay, here's what we know. We're very frustrated with. Here's where we improve. And when I sent this email out to all y'all, I, I sent it to every downrange class individually to see what I would get back. Man, it just, it impressed me. It was humbling. Some of the responses that came back, like how eloquent and insightful they were. And so I'm trying to figure out a way, what I want to do now is trying to get, get them all together, put them, put them somewhere where there's a board where we can comment on, on, those, on those thought processes. And then how do, we, how do we carry that with me? How many times have you and I sat at meetings in Nashville for lunch and you're like, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And you get up, you shake hands, you pay the lunch bill, you walk out of the building, and nothing ever gets done other than you ate lunch. Right. And right. I, I want, how many times? I mean, seriously, it was like, we've, how many, I mean, we've eaten well in Nashville, but how much of our time have we wasted sitting around having these meetings about what, what we ought to do, what we should do, what we're going to do, and we don't do it. And I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. I, I think that some of the things that we're learning now, where people are having to count on each other a lot more than they did. They're having to know, they're having to get to know each other, like you said about your kids and, and they're, they're learning each other's strengths and they're learning each other's weaknesses. And how do you come out of that stronger and better for it? And that's just, that's the conversation that I've been starting and trying to get. It's, (laughs) this is funny. I'm we were both talking about Jim Weatherby. He, for those of you who are listening, Jim was a six-time space shuttle commander, and he just comes at everything from a different frame of reference. And, and like I asked Jim, I'm like, hey, man, what do you think? And what are some of your thoughts? And he goes, you know, I was sitting on top of four and a half million pounds of explosive propellant, and I'm pondering the nature of humans. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an interesting story. Or he'll start a question with um, – you know, when I was putting Gene Roddenberry's ashes into space, oh, I'm sorry, what, what did you just say? You were in space. And I remember one time we were actually in a planning thing and we were teaching it in downrange. We were teaching the class. Like, here's some of the, what are some scenarios where what kind of things might dictate and change the plan that you have? And BJ Miller, the Olympian, she goes, weather, weather would change it. Yeah, weather would change it for sure. Anybody have anything else? And Jim's over there. In the back of the room, just kind of going, he's going this. 
Hmm. Wait, Jim, you got something to say? Because yes, weather certainly can. Solar flare-ups can be a problem. And we're like, solar flare-ups. We'll put that on the board. He's just a different thinker, man. And his um, some of the things that Jim had to say were so motivating when I asked, you know, what can we do? And his, his came at it from a humanity thing. He's like, it's up to us, the servant leaders. Um, we still have to give that purpose and direction. And we've got to give it to people because when people go through hard times, you know, and you know this, dude, as it slogs on, people will be less and less inspired and less and less motivated. And they'll start complaining a little bit more. And then it'll start taking hold and it'll be, they'll get unmotivated and they, they won't keep their eye on the positives. And I think it's up to us to keep doing that because, man, it ain't going to be CNN, it ain't going to be Fox, and it ain't going to be USA Today. It isn't going to be our leaders. They got into a groove of bitching and moaning at each other. I am so disappointed in the rhetoric and the conversation that's coming out of these people uh, that, that are in Washington, D.C. They're supposed to be our leader. I'm so disappointed. You have a, you have a chance here where the nation is united in its, in its crisis. And you have a, a difficult situation that this is when you bond. This is when you build teams. This is when you build trust. You come through something difficult together. And I'm very disappointed in what's happening out there with D.C. and what they are failing to do as the leaders who are supposed to be providing hope and they're still pointing fingers at each other and you're just like all right turn it off uh, there was another guy a downrange guy and one of the things that he talked about doing nick was he was a film crew like what you did um, he came to one of the classes and tim was used to be in the army and tim's still out there on his own just filming he's he's a single guy now and he said you know what i want to do is i want to through pictures and through movie I want to go show the truth because I want to know if the negative rhetoric is really true. Is I don't know if it's just something the news is doing. I want to go to the hospitals and see if they're inundated. I want to go to these places that we're seeing, they're telling us are, are all screwed up and jacked up and see if they really are. Or find the positive stories of the human spirit like what you were talking about. Time and time and time again, biblical stories, historic stories right now. When times are worst is when people are at their best. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned leaders and leadership several times. And so one of the things I want to talk about is um, you gave me the best definition. And we're starting to have some questions coming in here. So we'll get to those. Feel free to type a question in the comments there. Um, Nicole asked, said it would be helpful to know who your guest is in the live post. I guess she's probably right. This is uh, Kenny Thomas. Kenny's a good longtime friend of mine. I've done a lot of cool stuff together. He was one of the army rangers in the battle of Mogadishu that was storied in the film and book black Hawk down. He was also in the movie, sweet home, Alabama. For those of you who want to go check that out. Look, let, me, let me brag for a second. Look, so even though like you and I aren't out on the speaking world right now, because everything, and I'm not playing music. I did. I did get another royalty check from sweet home, Alabama. <laughs> Still Good for you, man. Nice work. $462. Still paying off. I, I like it. Well, so you get, so that's Kenny and Kenny, he's, he's a great speaker. If anyone has an event or a zoom or whatever you need him for, uh, he's the best. And, uh, and he's a great friend, great musician, great writer too. So that's who my guest is. 
Um, Kenny, I want to get to the part where we talked a little bit about, about leadership because I, I, I teed it up already. You gave me the best definition of leadership I'd ever heard. So why don't you, why don't you let the good folks here know what the definition of leadership is? Yeah, the, the, the Ranger motto is Rangers lead the way. And they, told, they never told you it was a rank or a title or a position that you hold. It's the example that we set for the people we serve. That's a simple definition. But man, you can spend a lifetime trying to figure out who are the people that you're serving and what example are you setting. And I think where guys like you and I are at now is like, oh, we know we're good dudes. We, we, you know, we give our time back to the community. We try and help out when we can. We write checks to charity. We, we go, I do a lot of veteran events. Like, I, but what about in the, in, the, in the smaller moments now where no one's standing there watching, where you're not on a stage? Well, what kind of father am I being? What, what kind of neighbor am I being? Am I, am I talking to the woman at Southwest Airlines the way that I really should be? Or am I just angry because I don't like what she had? Am I setting an example? And the more you can keep that in the forefront of your mind, the more it permeates and infiltrates every part of your life. And I find myself now doing things where I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to go do it. All right. And you go do it. Because when people need you to do the right thing is always when it's hard. We don't, I don't need you when it's easy. I need you to do the right thing when it's hard. The problem with saying do the right thing, challenge with that one, is that the right thing looks different to everybody. It's <laughs> slightly different. And, and so what, what I like to say instead, when, when you set that example for others to follow, instead of just saying do the right thing, a, a better thing to say is uh, who do you want to be in that moment? Who do you want to be in that moment? Because it's not just a mission statement, the definition of leadership. This is a day-to-day, moment-by-moment commitment. You can't say you want to lead by example and then just blow it off someplace else because it's it does, it's too hard to do over here. Does that make sense? Uh, it totally does, man. So leadership is the example you set for the people you serve. My my favorite. Uh, and uh, your friend Jennifer here, look, she she's the reason I'm putting on the screen. I just saw you in it last week. So that's probably why you got that royalty check. Jennifer has been watching I've uh, been watching Sweet Home Alabama on repeat. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> and, uh, but we got a question here for you, too. I'll put it up on the screen. Maybe you can see it. I'll read it, though. My friend Jason says, as a leader, what strategies do you use when you yourself are uncertain about things that you thought were constants in the past and still lead a family or a team in your professional life? That's a good question. That's a very relevant question today. So when, when basically what, he's, what I'm hearing him ask is your world gets turned upside down and you get jacked up, right? The black hawk goes down. And you're standing there going, we all say the same thing in those situations. Uh, whether the tornado wipes through Nashville or you and I have a friend, Dan, who went through uh, downrange together and he lost his dad yesterday to the COVID. And Dan's like, my world is, well, now what does my world look like? It's that constant it, when it changes. And the first thing that I do is I remember instead of getting, it's too easy to get overwhelmed with the situation. So the first thing I do is go back. We have a we have a saying in the Rangers, it's keep it simple, stupid. So we make it very easy for you. When something goes down and you only got three choices, three choices, that's it. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. Now, guys like you and I aren't the people that need to get out of the way. So we lead and we follow because good leaders are good followers and vice versa. And then you can start with that. Okay. I want to be a leader in this situation. What example do I need to set? 
who am I setting an example for? Okay, well, Nick's in need here. Dan's in need there. My, my family's in need. My son, what example am I setting? Can I start with that? And so no matter what life throws at you, the hell of the Blackhawk gets shot down. You didn't see it coming. You got no ride out of there. You're going to have to run for it. Or all of a sudden you had 55 speaking events on the calendar and now you have goose egg. What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to lead, follow, or get out of the way. I'm going to lead. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead. And this is how am I going to do it? Well, I got these options. I, I think you keep it very simple. Don't get overwhelmed. It's too easy to snowball. That's great it's advice. Super- and I think one of the things we got to think about there too is lead in the ways you know how. Go, trust your strengths at that point. So, okay, there's certain things that uh, that I know, like again, in going through downrange, there, I just found certain skills that, I took for granted because we all take our we all take our our greatest gifts for granted because they come to us so easily. It's so funny, right? So it's like, oh, like you singing and playing guitar, like, oh, that's not a big deal. Everybody could do that. And they're like, no, they can't. You can, but it comes so easily to you that you take you take it for granted. And so I would start, I would make a list of the things you that you take for granted that come so easily to you. And number one, look at how that might serve someone else, because I promise you, it doesn't come easily to everybody else. And then don't be afraid to look to others who are great at other things and to let them lead you or to watch a podcast or watch a YouTube video or read a book about something that you know you need to get better at. That's okay. Like that's, that's a good leader uh, because yeah. it's, it's setting an example for others around you that, Hey, you don't have to know everything and you can just do, you know, you can, and you're, you're willing to learn. You're willing to be taught uh, because the moment you stop learning, you're losing. Right. And so uh, I would say one of my pieces of advice there would be just start, start it, start with the things that are so simple for you that you can't possibly imagine anyone needs help with those things. And you'll be shocked at how many people do. And uh, you know, it, it'll, that's a great place to start. Yeah. That's a, you hit a really cool point. I, I just, I had a chance. I got to lead a, a, one of our church groups. It was a, we, we did a series on um, your strengths and your weaknesses and selling yourself short and finding out what you're good at and what you're not at. And, and, and I don't want you to get know your strengths and don't get wrapped around the axle about what you're not great at because you can find people to help you with that and you can always get better at that. But don't let that stop you. And if you really think about it, Nick, we're all magnificent at selling ourselves short. We always come up with some sort of reason as to why we probably aren't the guy or the girl to do that. And man, we've been doing that since Adam and Eve. Like we're all telling her, we're all hiding in the garden from, you know, oh man, I hope they don't call on me for this one. Or, or I don't really, I don't have that skill set. I can't do that. And the minute you start hearing yourself say that, you need to check it and realize, okay, what can you do? And then who can you get to help you get through it? Because the weight of the world was never supposed to be carried on your shoulders alone. You're not strong enough to do it. That's, that's why we have each other. Getting back to how we started this interview today, it comes down to you take care of those people on your left and your right, because those are the people that are going to be there for you in the hard times. They are. We all have friends out there who are business friends, and then we have friends that we can call. Take care of those people. Don't, don't take them for granted, because they're the ones who, who are going to come for you, you know, when you're outnumbered. And you may need them on your podcast one day when the world is shut down and no one can go to it for eight weeks and when speaking gigs get canceled. And you've always been good about that. Like I, I give, I give you props on keeping our friendship and our relationship alive. Like you'll, you'll come out of the, out of nowhere and say, Hey man, I'm coming to Nashville. Um, do you want to go run? 
Like he didn't call me to ask for anything. He just wanted to go run. And I'm like, yeah, let's go run. And, and then, you know, when I went through my divorce, I sat that you sat down with me and listened and just were a good friend. And, and I, I think if it were up to me, Nick, my, my fault is that I got, I get so busy and so inundated that I, I just, I go, I'm going like this and I forget and I, to, to, to keep, to keep contact with people. And, um, fortunately I, I always, I always give the, the, uh, credit for this relationship to you for always checking in every now and then. Like we always, you know, we always have good conversations, but it, it's like, I, I give the, I give the credit to you. Maybe that's why you get to do so many cool things. You're good at keeping up with people. <laughs> hey, it, uh, it, it seems like, like- Everyone should be because it comes easy to me. So I guess I'll, I'll take that as, as a compliment. I appreciate it. Um, hey, all right. So we're going to wrap up here. Thank you all so much for checking it out. Um, check out Kenny Thomas, K-E-N-I. Uh, you can watch uh, Sweet Home Alabama to make sure his royalty checks keep coming in. You can listen to his music anywhere you might listen to music. Uh, you can also check out his website and check out Downrange. And also make sure you also check out his book, uh, Get It On. Uh, Kenny Thomas, brother, pleasure to have you on the show and uh, be well, man. Yeah, man. Thanks. Take care. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episode.